2: the story i used to do all sorts of uh, hindu rituals i worshiping the idols keeping fruits and uh, the coconut breaking the coconut in front of the idol and later on uh, when the sun starts coming then i used to go out and uh, do the surya namaskar it is called worshiping the sun you know those days you know, since i didn't knew the creator i was worshiping the creation
0: G'day, i am jimmy Colfax. welcome to the story Today we have an international one for you as Karen Hunt calls long distance to South India to talk to Pastor Sam and find out his fascinating life journey. I always enjoy learning about other cultures and Sam will give us insights into what it's like growing up in India and being deeply involved in the Hindu culture and religion. As we all know, it's often in times of crisis that people find God, and as we'll hear, that was definitely the case for Sam. Once again, he's joining us on the phone from Southern India and sharing his story with Karen Hunt.
1: Tell us about your early years. What was life like for you as little Sam growing up there in India?
2: I was born and brought up and raised in a staunch Hindu family, and I was a staunch believer because all this belief system, you know, it I have adopted, like, you know, from my forefathers. Like, my grandfather worshipped idols, and my dad did that. And, uh, you know, as children, we always follow our parents. So I was following what they were doing and uh, not knowing the truth. And nobody told me about Jesus Christ in those days.
1: So you grew up your mum, your dad, other siblings?
2: Oh, yes. We are uh, three brothers in total. Like, I'm the eldest.
1: Mm -hmm. What was it that you hoped To do when you were all grown up.
2: When I was growing up as a teenager, I really wanted to serve in Indian Navy. But then God has got His own plans for me, so all that uh, has changed. Like you know, I couldn't. Though I was qualified in the exam, but I couldn't qualify in the medical examination, so I couldn't join the Indian Navy. And the best thing I thought later on the next job was to take up sales and marketing, and that's how. I ended up in various marketing jobs in India, in South Africa, as well as in Australia also.
1: Your family, a Hindu family through and through, all boys,
2: were you close to your brothers? Yes, now we are all very close because now we all came to know the Lord. My younger brother, his name is James, Mm -hmm. he came to know the Lord first. And when he came to know the Lord, we all, and this happened somewhere in 1990, And uh, when he came to know the Lord, we all were very furious and uh, we persecuted him like, you know, we just kicked him out of the house. He just went out of the house with bare clothes, just one pair of clothes on his body. That's it. And we were so ruthless, you know, we threw him out of the house thinking that, you know, Jesus Christ is, you know, a white man, God, and it's not nothing to do with India like that. I know we were so foolish and our eyes were blinded. And my brother, he never gave up, you know, he prayed for us and he really showed those Christy qualities in him and continuously for nearly for nine years, he prayed for us, especially for me, like, you know, I really, those days I used to insult him, saying that uh, your God is a white man's God and how can you bring that God into our family?
1: Would you insult other Christians as well as your brother who became one?
2: Yes, those days, uh, since, you know, he's my own brother, I could say anything. But others also, yes, I used to think like that. And I was very fond and uh, took pride in Hinduism, not knowing the truth. I used to do that, like, and I used to make fun of Christians. I used to, you know, sometimes even throw some bad words at them.
1: Can you help us understand what type of religious practices were just normal for you in your Hindu family?
2: I used to get... uh, in the morning around, early in the morning, around uh, between four thirty, five o'clock in the morning and uh, shower uh, with the red cloths on me and uh, with those wet cloths. I used to do all sorts of uh, Hindu rituals, so I worshipping the idols, keeping fruits and uh, the coconut breaking the coconut in front of the idol. and later on uh, when the sun starts coming then I used to go out and uh, do the suri namaskar? It is called worshiping the sun. You know those days. You know since I didn't knew the creator, I was worshiping the creation.
1: Hmm. Arranged marriages was that a part of your world?
2: Yes, in India, irrespective of uh, any religion, like you know, it's a tradition. Like you know, we go for arranged marriages. Like you know, parents or grandparents they arrange the marriages, and uh, they say like you know, I arrange this girl for you. Just see the girl and get married. That's it.
1: So here you are as a young man. You're working a taxi business. Lots of money. Life appeared yeah. to be good. You married your wife. What was your early married life
2: like? As I told you, like you know, that was my business. But as well, apart from my business, I was also working uh, with the hotel industry in India. I don't think I mentioned this in my testimony, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that particular time, like I was at the hotel industry in the sales and marketing department. Apart from my job, I used to have uh, this taxi businesses. And at that particular time, in, in the year 1994, August 18th, I got married to my wife, Lakshmi. Before getting married, uh, just only once in the month of June, 1994, I saw her. Uh, I read this match came to my grandparent from my mother's My mother's father got this match for me Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, there's a girl in this village. Just come and have a look. Then I went there. I just briefly looked at her. I didn't even talk to her. And uh, I said, fine, I'll get married. And you've been married now for how long? Oh, it's been nearly 21 years, I think. I suppose. And before August, I got married. Congratulations. I'm very bad at mathematics. (laughs) I've been living very happily. And uh, I love my wife. We can't live without each other. In fact, after becoming Christian, you know, after coming to know the Lord, we started, our relationship grew more and more and more stronger and stronger every day.
1: That is very special, from nothing to something very strong and something very special, as you say. Sam, what was it that happened in the year 2000? Something major.
2: Uh, Many people were, uh, like, you know, as I was with the hotel industry, you know, we used to get some few guests from foreign guests from Australia, US and other parts of Europe and there used to be few (coughs) men of God also. Like they were sharing, you know, just casually out of conversations they used to ask me about my faith and I used to tell them I was a Hindu and they were were trying to give me either track or just trying to tell me about Jesus Christ. Then I used to just throw the track away, not in front of them because they're my hotel guests so I had to respect them. And they used to hire my taxis also. I had to respect that. So I was acting very cunning, you know. As to keep the track in my pocket and later on I to throw it and not even reading it.
0: Mm.
2: And uh, God has got his own plan for me. The more I was running away, the more people were coming into my life and sharing about God, but still I was not giving even a, a second to think who God is. And in the same way, my brother was also making his own attempts to evangelize me because he, me being the eldest son in the family, like, you know, My brother was talking to me quite oftenly. He was calling me. I never gave any heat to him. Like one fine day he came to me, he's being my own brother. Like, you know, he thought my brother will help me. He ran into some kind of a financial problem because we just threw him out of the house with just a pair of clothes. Nothing was there. Then I insulted him saying that what? Your Jesus doesn't give you money. Your Jesus doesn't feed you. And I kept some money in front of the idols and I was, I said, see, take my Hindu gods are giving you money. Take this money. I insulted him like that. I not only insulted him; I actually insulted the true living God. And uh, he refused to take it. You know, he kept on to his faith. Later on, when I came to know the Lord, you know, I cried. Like, you know, why I behaved so foolish? Why I was so adamant? This has happened uh, in the year 2000, early 2000. I lost my job, and my taxi business started, uh, you know, falling off. And one of my car. Met with an accident in India. You now we take things for granted. Like you know, we don't pay insurances. You know, we just the life goes on. You know, it's India's a different country. I didn't pay my insurance, and I didn't get my claim, and my car met with an accident. Uh, and now I'm talking about 1999. All this has happened, and uh, my business plunged, and uh, I lost everything. And uh, I thought I'll end my life because people used to respect me because of my money and what I have the kind of business I was doing. And uh, overnight, everything got finished. And uh, literally, I was like standing on the road. Nothing was there. No peace, no sleep, quarreling with my wife, shouting at my mom, no peace at all.
1: Here you are, you're crying out to all the gods who you worshipped, but no one was answering you or helping you. You were saying to me that you attempted suicide by pouring paraffin all over your body. You really were in a hopeless state at that time, weren't you? Tell us more.
2: Yes, that particular time when I lost everything and uh, I felt uh, I cried actually for months together to all those gods and goddesses whom I was worshipping and none came for my rescue. I was living a good life, a lot of money with me. People started respecting me because of my money and the wealth I had and everything was gone. I was restless, peaceless, so I felt there's no point of living, let me kill myself. So I felt there's no point of living, so I poured uh, paraffin, in India we call it
0: kerosene.
2: Mm -hmm. I I went to the market and bought uh, five liters and I went inside my room and uh, my wife was there in the kitchen, she was busy preparing food. And this was in the evening, somewhere close to 7.38 o'clock in the night. I bought paraffin, and uh, for some reason, I tried to lit my matches. I don't know why it didn't lit. And uh, that particular time, uh, my wife ran to me, uh, you know, by smelling that smell of that paraffin. Mm -hmm. And uh, the matches didn't lit because it got where. I don't know what exactly happened. Uh, It didn't lit. I feel God got his own plans for me, and he wants me to live for him and his glory. Then... For the first time, I remembered clearly about Jesus Christ, what uh, about uh, about my brother talking about him, and uh, I don't know what to say, how to say a prayer, and how to address him. So I just casually I called on Jesus help me. That night, when I first time called on him, I experienced a kind of a peace I'd never experienced before, amazing peace and a comfort. And uh, that night, you know, months together, I, didn't sleep. I never used to sleep properly. I never slept properly. And that particular night, I really, really slept like a baby.
1: You would have given your wife one heck of a scare, though, hey?
2: Yes, I did. She was scared. And she screamed and called on my mom. My mom was living, my other brother and mom, because my dad passed away in 1995. So my mom and other others were living on the ground floor level, and myself and my wife, they were living on the first floor. So she screamed and. Yes, it was a terrific, scary night.
1: Were your children there at the time?
2: Oh, yes. At the time, uh, my son, he was there, but he was small. He was around five or six years old.
1: So did he tangibly see you in that state?
2: No, he didn't see because uh, later on I found out that uh, my mom took him downstairs so that he will not know anything. Mm-hmm. Yes, later on when I share my story, like, you know, my son and my daughter, they know what I did.
1: Jeremiah twenty nine eleven <laughs> quite clearly says, The Lord has got plans yes. for you.
2: That's right.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today we're hearing Pastor Sam from Southern India sharing his life journey and how things became so desperate in his life. Coming up, he'll tell us how he came to Australia and got the chance to go to Bible college. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Pastor Sam on the phone in southern India. Sam is currently reaching out to Indian youth in remote villages. Right now we're going to pick up the story as, against all odds, he receives an opportunity to go to Tasmania to study God's Word.
1: You went to Tasmania. Tell us about the
2: course. What did you do? Uh, This church was part of uh, GLO. It's called Gospel Literature Outreach.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Gospel Outreach, uh, Gospel Literature Outreach is based in uh, Riverstone in Sydney. So this church was planted by GLOW. And GLOW has got a Bible college in uh, Tasmania. Even I didn't had enough money to go and uh, fund my education there, my theological education, my discipleship course. But the church was so gracious. They said, Sam, don't worry. We will support you. So they supported me. And one of my other friends, who's uh, from India, but settled in Australia. He also supported me every month, uh, paying my family health insurance for all those 11 months in my Bible college. Fantastic. It's amazing. Only God can do all these things.
1: Mm. Uh, Sam, tell us about your Bible college time. A discipleship course, what was God doing within your life and your family were with you Tell us about
2: that. I want to take uh, one or two minutes. I want to share like, what God has done. As soon as I resigned my job and uh, my employer canceled my visa, and uh, the immigration department gave me 28 days notice to leave the country. Wow. So immediately the church which I was attending, the elders were so helpful there. All these people, they said, time. God will do something. Don't give up. So they applied for me as a student visa, like it's called a special program student visa to study at uh, GLOW, at Discipleship College. They immediately applied for this and the immigration department gave me a bridging visa. Normally bridging visa, the outcome will be in one month's time. Uh So I left with my family to Smithton to study there and there. Me and my family, we were attached to a church. A small. That's also, again, another small church where 20, 30 people gather, and mostly all are elderly people. So I was attached to a church in forest, and that's where I came to know. I call her Angel. She's Her name is Lorraine K, And she, again, showed that godly love to us in spite of our differences from the various countries and color everything. But, you know, the true godly love I found in Tasmania. The people are so friendly. So I started... My Bible College there, and in the month of uh, November, I think, I got a letter saying that, sorry, they're not going to give you a visa. You have to leave the country on the 20th days. It's amazing how God allowed me to stay and finish my course. Normally, immigration department takes 30 to 45 days to give you the outcome, whether to approve or disapprove. Mm-hmm. But whereas here, it took more than 10 months. So I finished my course. Later on, I got uh, this letter that, sorry, your special program visa is not approved, so you can't study anymore in the college. But mm-hmm. I finished my course there by the time. So yes, we returned to India, and uh, life was tough. We were calling Australia home for all these years. And uh, my daughter especially, you know, she even picked up with all this slang, you know. She was a very really small child when she she arrived. And life was very tough. We, the church, the Forest Church and the Globe, They helped us with uh, $1,700 in our hand. With that money, we returned India. Don't know what to do. Again, starting my life from scratch, I was a bit nervous and puzzled. Everything was different, as if I was in a foreign country again, in my own motherland. Mm,
1: Reverse culture.
2: Yes. So my kids were emotionally and physically, they were also down. They were not going to school for nearly 10 months and whatever money we had, everything got finished. Don't know what to do. It was tough. I couldn't even provide proper food for my kids, even a glass of milk. And today, my faith is unshakable. No matter what happens, I have faith. You know, in in every country, they have currencies. You know, Australia has dollars, India has rupees, and uh, I have heavenly currency. You know what it is, faith. Mm. Faith is the heavenly currency. Mm -hmm. I may not have money, worldly money. But should I say, I have heavenly currency, a lot of heavenly currency with me. And God started building me up. I started traveling. The more I started traveling, I started seeing blessings. The more I started preaching gospel, I started seeing blessings. I thought uh, that, you know, I'll get a lot of support from my church, but my church is a very small church. But God amazingly brought some unknown people into my life to bless me and my ministry and it's amazing like you know as my children started going to schools and I never thought in the life that I could afford to send my son to study BSc Nautical Science. In, in Australia itself per annum it is costing somewhere close to 20 to 25 thousand dollars to do this course but whereas in India it is costing me 5 thousand dollars like it's 250 thousand rupees per annum.
1: Mm. And with your wife, you are making beautiful homemade chocolates. That's a home-based business too. And you're teaching English to students who wish to, like you, go abroad and to study abroad, yeah?
2: It's called IELTS, International English Language Test System. Mm -hmm. And uh, by teaching them English, like, you know, how to read and write and listen and speaking, There are four modules. I teach all the four modules to the students, and I support myself uh, with the money I earn from this and from chocolates. And sometimes when I go on church speaking or doing some kids' ministry uh, to help uh, some other churches in the city, so I get offerings. You know? Yeah. That's how I support myself. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, praise God for Faith Community Church in Blacktown, also for the Go Bible College in Smithton in Tasmania and uh, for where you are right now in India. God bless you,
2: Sam. And and let me make another point here. And uh, Lorraine, in this journey, God put Lorraine into our lives. Mm -hmm. She stood by us and uh, Lorraine and uh, her husband, uh, Ken K., they support my daughter's education. Mm. She goes to a good school here.
1: Yeah.
2: And when I was in India, that was that's like a top school. That was my dream to send my daughter there. But that, those days, even though I had good money, still it was way, way beyond my reach to send my daughter there. That, that school is only for cities' elite people go there. But now I'm a child of God, and mm. God sends my daughter there.
1: What's your hope now? What's the next thing for you?
2: My next hope is now I have discovered... God's will, what is, like, what I have to do, mm-hmm. kingdom building. I want to travel. You know, I feel really sad, like, you know, Coke is only 130 years old, and it is there in every nook and corner of the world, every nook and corner of the world, and it's 2015 years. Still, there are a lot of villages, a lot of people, a lot of people groups who don't know about Jesus Christ and who are perishing. I understood God's will for me, and now I'm heading to villages, Sometimes, like, and you know, I don't even come home for two, through three days. I stay in the hills. I eat what those people offer and I go and travel place to place and I preach gospel. I got some evangelism tools from Australia. When I was at the Bible college, I was introduced uh, to these tools by one Mr. Rob George, who is in the child evangelism. And uh, I carry a big cube with me. It's called Evangelic Cube.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's very pictorial and uh, with by using that YouTube, it's very helpful to explain the gospel, why Jesus has come into this world, what is his purpose.
1: God continue to bless you, Sam, as you step out.
2: Thank you very, very much. And greetings to you all from India.
1: That
0: was Karen Hunt chatting with Pastor Sam by phone from India. What an incredible story of how God revealed himself to Sam and now he's spreading the gospel in remote villages in India. 1 Corinthians 15.3 comes to mind, where it says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And we pray that God continues to lead and guide Sam and provide all his needs as he does the Lord's work in India. Thanks for joining us for Pastor Sam's inspiring story today. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
2: Looking back, just his plan and the way he went about doing it, <laughs> it was so, so divine and so orchestrated. Now that we look back, we know even in those darkest hours, he had it all under control. And it's so hard to remember that when you're in it.
0: Brad and Rebecca and Warren McKenzie are all involved in music. Brad and Rebecca are worship leaders, and Warren is a hip hop artist connecting with youth in Australia. We'll hear their stories next time. The Story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a
1: production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.